Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology talent, transformational change and of course tech as a force for good. I'm your host Professor Sally Eves and today our focus is all things ESG and in particular the how of excelling in governance, that vital bridge between environmental and social impact that scales. And this especially the case today in a context of such rapid evolution and distinct differences too across local and international regulatory landscapes. It's clear that a holistic focus on governance, people, process and technology are all critical to your success. And it's never been more of a truism. You can't manage what you can't measure. To explore exactly this now and packed with examples and practice, I'm delighted to be joined by Courtney Cozens, Head of Governance and Reporting, Corporate Sustainability and ESG at Dell Technologies. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Courtney. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Sally. It's great to be here. Oh, fantastic. And honestly, one of the most favourite subject areas I love to dive into on the show here today. But without kind of going into that first, let's find out a bit more about yourself, if I may. Kind of the person behind the tech, as I like to phrase it, and your journey to your role now at Dell Technologies. I'd love to hear more. Sure, yeah. Um, So first and foremost, my name is Courtney Cousins. I've been at Dell for 22 years, 15 of which was at EMC, um, who merged with Dell about seven years ago. Um, I lead our governance and reporting uh, function for corporate sustainability and ESG. I've been doing this role for about six years. Prior to that, I was in IT or Dell Digital, where I led a large cross-functional, a lot of large cross-functional programs. But when Dell and EMC announced the merger, I led the IT PMO or Program Management Office uh, that was responsible for the integration of both technology and process across every business unit and function on both companies, basically bringing together the two and making them into one. My team is responsible really for three important areas, each of which are highly cross-functional and global. So we call it Pandel. Um, First, I have a team of subject matter experts um, and strategy leads uh, for several of our most material and complex areas. So climate action, circular economy, and human rights. Not that other topics aren't as important, but these are highly impactful, very material to us, and complex and cross-functional. Second, my team is responsible for all of our ESG reporting and disclosures, serving a variety of stakeholders, um, you know, customers, raters, rankers, regulators, just to name a few. This team has expertise in what's expected or required for both regulated and unregulated reporting and disclosures. And they also manage all of our ESG information and content to ensure that we maintain a controlled and single source of truth. And then lastly, the third area, but certainly not the least, and you know, relevant for this conversation for sure, my team serves as the central PMO for the company's ESG operating model and governance. Or OMG, as we lovingly like to refer to it, because, oh, my gosh, it was complex, but it's amazing. Um, And, you know, something that took us a bit to pull off, but it is already showing, um, you know, incredible fruit. Uh, We can dig into that in a little bit. I know that is a lot of the meat of our discussion today, but our operating model and governance, OMG, is something we are very proud of. 
I love that. I love. Thank you for that. Bring it to the fore so early as well. I, I've seen that up close myself, and I couldn't agree more strongly. I also love what you brought to the fore there. Not just those three pillars, but kind of what's underpinning it in terms of the cross functionality and your own depth and diversity of experience as well. I think is so so relevant for all things ESG, which I think brings us on to the next salient point. Just really unpacking what that means for the audience. I think right now as well, kind of the tail end of COP twenty eight, you know, going on as we speak. And again, it's a term that's used a lot, but I think. Think just to make it really clear for everyone kind of tuning in today what does ESG mean to you and then let's drill into the G the governance area in a bit more detail but if we start there just to kind of level the field around kind of awareness about what that really means. ESG so what does it stand for it stands for environmental social and governance and really you know ESG refers it's it's more about the the set of criteria that investors and other stakeholders use to evaluate a company's impact and includes factors like carbon emissions energy efficiency waste management and other ecological considerations the S or social This dimension evaluates a company's relationships with its employees, with its customers, with its suppliers, and the communities in which it operates. Social factors might include things like labor practices, human rights, diversity and inclusion, and community engagement. The G, governance. This one refers to internal policies, leadership structures, and overall management practices of a company. But it also refers to the governance that needs to be in place to most effectively manage the E and the S. And this is where I think a lot of companies have not failed, but have maybe neglected the the importance of what that brings to help drive the progress against the E and the S. So here at Dell, we've got long-term goals in place and a solid strategy in areas where we can have the most impact against the E and the S. We've made a ton of progress and have a lot of really strong strategies and impact areas that we're focused on for environmental and social progress. But the governance of our environmental and social sustainability is something that we realized we needed to put some significant focus on. And that's been a big part of what we've been working on this past year, where we recognize the importance of ESG governance practices. You can't manage what you can't measure. And we know that. Um, We see ESG as a business imperative. Stakeholder interest and demand is the highest it's ever been. And external forces are very much on the rise with regulatory risk, stakeholder management, transparency expectations, trust, and of course, brand and reputation risk. So, so true. And it kind of brings to the fore for me, and when we're looking at all things ESG data, it has to have and it must have the same level of scrutiny as it would do if it was, say, financial data. And that's what stakeholders are expecting, aren't they, across all those different audiences? I, I couldn't agree more strongly. And the other thing that was kind of resonating with me when you were talking there across those three and for me this is absolutely imperative too you mentioned there about greenwashing so the authenticity of the narrative around this and what is being shared is so so key and that's what I've personally loved about about working with Dell you know back to kind of I think probably 2013 2014 I've been involved in some of these projects so you know the EU you were talking about there I'm thinking of things like for example I'm taking soot from diesel exhaust um, and then you partnered with a, with a local startup in India use that to convert it to something meaningful for packaging for example and then 
scaled that out. Um, Lonely, uh, Lonely Well would be another example, I think, of partnership too. That goes back a few years as well, probably about six or so. And that's about supply chain and kind of reducing ocean bound plastics. And again, like the S of social, some of the communities of practice and kind of working with communities. COVID would be a great example of that too. Oh, yeah. Lots of hands on projects and saying we've made all this progress here. Now we want to focus more on the governance that really completes those three pillars. And it's absolutely key. And I, I kind of wanted to bring that to the fore kind of from a personal point of view, because I've been involved in those directly and, and it means a lot to me that that what you're doing here is built on authentic investment and commitment to kind of shared value business really so I went off on a little tangent of my own there but it really is important because it's such a genuine you know commitment of, of stories and right right from end to end focus on ESG yeah. which I think is really key you know that's awesome and we appreciate your involvement in all of those things and um just to add you know it, uh, Dell has been in the philanthropic business since Michael founded the company. So this is not new for us. And it's not just the social and the philanthropic, even the environmental. This is not new. We've been um, driving a ton of progress. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned there about growing expectations. It's such a such a key point, I think, around governance. And we also have you know, different geographical differences. And I can almost see, you know, as we've seen in cybersecurity, and even just now, you know, I'm putting a piece together about this too, the, the new legislation that's coming into effect there over the next, well, up to October of next year in many ways for Europe. But we've got HIPAA from a, from a health point of view. We've got GDPR, so many different variants. And, and I think in the governance space in particular, A, they're being interlinked into some of these areas. Areas. plus obviously there's new governance areas too plus as I say geographical differences so getting support in, in in this journey is absolutely key so investment here matters so so much so I'd love to drill into that how part of how you've been working on this and kind of establishing these new practices within Dell and kind of some of the key takeaways because again doing something like this there's going to be so much learning along the way we, we all you know we have challenges along the way you learn the most often from those so I'd love to drill into some of this and not just from a tech point of view but but the culture and the skills around this too. So perhaps that's the next place to take the conversation, if I may. Yeah, sure. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, the, going back to my earlier days with the company um, and the role I played with the merger of the two companies leading the IT PMO, you know, I learned so much um, from how we most effectively organized and governed that massive amount of work that, again, spanned the entire company, was highly cross-functional, had a lot of strong opinions and, you know, very, very similar to what we were faced with, um, you know, with our ESG operating model. So um, there were a lot of parallels that I could draw and a, and a lot of key learnings that I was able to, to bring forward. Um, with, you know, driving decision making and progress against, uh, you know, maybe not as big of a scale as a merger of two massive companies, but the cross-functional body of work that we're faced with, with ESG and the variety of stakeholder demand and the leadership and governance that is required was, you know, very similar. So as we looked at how to best operationalize and govern our global ESG strategy and all the work uh, required across the company to drive that strategy forward, I leveraged all of what I've learned, or a lot anyways, of what I've learned to, from the Dell and EMC merger. And as we looked at our possible options for how we could best organize around Dell ESG, we looked at three possible ways and really 
don't think there were more than these three possible ways. Uh, we could centralize everything under one team and everything related to environmental and social progress is all managed and executed by one team. That is not a model that um, we even wanted to consider because, again, we've been doing this for years. We have business units and functions that are out there driving a lot of work already. It just wasn't all connected in the way that it needed to be. And it was growing so quickly um, that we realized we needed to connect a lot of dots. But the other uh, possible option for our operating model would be, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is decentralize the whole thing and just make ESG part of what every business unit in function is expected to achieve. And, you know, some companies are able to do that, some that are much farther along or um, whatever their situation might be, but we're not quite at that level of maturity to be able to just unleash everybody and hope that we're going to achieve our strategy. So the third option, which is the model we've chosen works most effectively for us, is where we're taking a hybrid approach between those two. And we're centralizing the strategy setting and the appropriate uh, degree of oversight while holding the relevant business units accountable for prioritizing and driving the work to advance our ESG strategy. So this is the hub and spoke model that I mentioned earlier. You know, and with this hub and spoke operating model, just to give a, a little bit more detail, my team serves as the hub and we have then identified single points of contact for every business unit and function, almost every business unit and function that exists in the company. Because if, if you think across all of the environmental and social topics, kind of touches every business unit and function in the company, especially as you think about many of our human rights as it affects our own workforce kind of um, goals and priorities. So we've identified a single point of contact for every business unit and function. These are the spokes that we've now established. And together with my team as the hub, we are considered the ESG interlock team. This is where the magic happens. This is where the dots are connected. This is where we come together. Uh, we have monthly meeting cadences. We will certainly bring people together when we need to, depending on certain situations. But as an entire interlock team, we get together once a month where we discuss strategy. We align on priorities, we monitor the execution against those priorities, and we address issues and remove roadblocks that are within our control. But then the governance extends beyond the ESG interlock team upward to an executive level ESG steering committee, who also play a governing role. And then we have quarterly uh, ESG reviews now with our board of directors. So the governance goes from our interlock team all the way up to the board of directors. Fantastic. I love that. I love the fact, A, it's so interdisciplinary as well. Also, the regular benchmarking, I think, is so, so important. But it's that dialogue, that always on kind of continual focus um, that's so, so important. I mentioned cybersecurity as an analogy earlier. And another one's coming to my head as you're speaking there. It's almost akin to, as we described, zero trust. Now, I have this saying, kind of, you're never once and done, you know. It's not like an on switch. You can't turn it off and on again. It's, you have to keep going. It's incremental commitment to this, you know. So, again, the way you're describing that strong processing 
government you've put together, those regular checking points and that cross-functional dialogue and learning along the way, absolutely critical to get that right level of oversight and and, and learn along the way and bring everyone together in that way. It really shows that co-creativity and collaboration. So, you know, the agility and the learning along the way is critically important. This is this is a new and emerging function ESG, if you think about it, that still that touches, you know, again, every area of our company's business operations. And we have a lot to figure out. The priorities are constantly shifting. You know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about regulations here, but, um, you know, we will be on a path toward one thing only to find out that there's a regulation that we have to quickly react to and align to. And without not only this cross-functional interlock team at the ready to jump on something when it happens, but then our governance, again, leading up to and beyond our executive leadership team under Michael, we wouldn't be able to um, flex the way we need to, to, to keep pace with how quickly this ESG space is just becoming more and more and more and more of a business imperative. Absolutely agree. And and I come back to that in one quick point. But one thing I wanted to flag as well, because I saw this earlier, and I I think I wanted to share this because, again, it shows that that I think it's good good to show kind of the milestones along the way in a journey, because, again, to achieve all of this, it it steps, isn't it, all the way. And again, I just saw recently, I think it was Time magazine, but also America's Greenest Company rankings. It shows the development that Dells have there as well. And I just wanted to flag that, too, because it's not only just kind of overall, but also best within the sector. I think it's second and third place respectively across the greenest company one and the times recognition too so i want to say congratulations for that as well because for everybody who's involved in that again sharing that success is another way to kind of say we can do this we can come together we can make this change last and we can create that shared value for business and society too so i wanted to give a shout out about that because again it's nice to share those milestones along the way so congratulations on that point too i'd love to before i say any more get your latest thinking on this kind of what are you seeing what are you being asked about out in terms of kind of local international regulation change here and are you excited about anything in particular or kind of what's concerning you or what your customers are asking you about the most love to drill into that a little bit more and see how we can support that part of the conversation sure um i'm going to start on a positive note because not everybody enjoys the regulations um you know it's a lot of work especially for companies that have not made a lot of progress against their ESG reporting, which has traditionally, for the most part, been non-regulated. We don't call it discretionary or optional because our ESG reporting serves many other stakeholders. Um, But when you think about the regulations, yeah, it's a lot of work and we got to understand how to get our disclosures to investor grade that requires external assurance. And we've got to disclose on things that we haven't historically wanted to or been able to disclose on. But sitting in my seat, and I think my peers on my team would agree, as well as my leadership, the regulations are driving progress. Because again, like I said earlier, you can't manage what you can't measure or you know, um, what gets managed gets done, to use a few cliche phrases. And so I wholeheartedly believe that this movement, which we know is very active in Europe, especially, but we've got a number of regulations within the U.S. as well, and certainly across the globe, is 
to force the progress and do it in a way that companies can um, be held to certain standards and hopefully harmonization across all the different frameworks and ways that we're expected to disclose. So there's a lot of goodness coming out of these regulations. I think anybody that has any understanding of ESG disclosing um, knows CSRD very well, and it covers almost every possible topic you could think about under the E, the S, and the G. Um, it goes much farther than any other of the frameworks like GRI and TCFD and FASB go into with the expectations. And because it's regulated, it's non-negotiable. You must comply unless you want to see sanctions and other penalties. And so we, and, and, you know, obviously we don't want to see sanctions and penalties, but we also know we at Dell anyways, have made a lot of progress in these areas, but there's a lot of work just to get just to meet a lot of these requirements, whether it's creating new policies or definitely disclosing against things that we haven't historically disclosed on, but we are focused on those areas. And so we hope to see positive performance, but you know, it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of lift to get companies like ours at the scale that we are to pull that amount of data or policies or other requirements together and get them assured in time for reporting that is also accelerated because it needs to align to our financial reporting timeframe, which is a little bit different from our other traditional ESG reporting. But the good news is we have an operating model and a governance structure that allows us to jump on this. Um, we have forged a tremendous working relationship with our peers in corporate accounting and legal who are the watchdogs of all the regulations and our other interlock members to translate these requirements because they're kind of complicated and there's a lot of legalese baked in there and can't say enough about how prepared I feel more than ever with our interlock team and our governance model to be able to take on these regulations because without it I I don't think that we would be able to meet the 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 goals that we're expected to meet by calendar year 2025. I couldn't agree more strongly with your points that I really couldn't. And as you were speaking there, I was also thinking about just that importance of facilitation through these through these processes and that translation piece. I hear that over and over again. It's it's cutting through it's a, the, the, the sheer complexity, um, but also how that relates to different organisations of all sizes. And again, obviously, at enterprise level, that brings the challenges of all the scale involved of everything you're doing there. Uh, organisations that may be pulled into this, particularly from the supply chain um, um, point of view that may be much smaller different challenges can persist there maybe about resources or talents gaps or experience for example so from all ends of the spectrum absolutely seeing that that concern and something I'm involved in at the moment is around some kind of auditing um, kind of benchmarking where you are as part of some of this regulation change as well so we can definitely kind of share some resources on that too but couldn't agree more strongly and again I think when you were speaking there Courtney that benefit of true alignment and those complementary skill sets that are coming to the fore across these cross-trends 
interdisciplinary teams working together in harmony is absolutely key. Plus also kind of that changing the narrative, kind of going back to those really positive points around new regulation too and how that can catalyze innovation. I couldn't agree more. And I always say this about sustainability. I think sometimes there's been a narrative, a bit like other things like the cost of security, for example, that it's a drain or a drag on costs, et cetera. I see it the other way. I really do. It's an enabler for, for innovation and shared value benefits. So I love the fact you brought that, you know, really balanced view of the, you know, the positive aspects of regulation, but the challenges that need to be addressed along the way to really actualize the opportunity it gives. So really love that balanced view there. And, and I know I mentioned skills. Clearly, to really actualize everything we're talking about today, it's a combination, isn't it? We can use technology, we can use the right types of processes, change management, but skills and culture, I think, really brings this together. What are you seeing with the teams that you're driving and working with here um, from the skills that really make a difference to help kind of embed and ensure this proper governance and helping to keep up and be agile, as we've been talking about today, to this very, very evolving environment? So it would be impossible to cover all the skills because this is such a cross-functional body of work. Again, back to our ESG interlock team, the OMG model, um, having a single point of contact in every business unit and function with my team at the center serving as not only PMO um, leaders, but also bringing forward expertise and reporting and some of our most complex uh, impact areas, I had, as I had mentioned, every other business unit or member of our interlock brings their own unique skills in the, you know, in the context of their business unit and what they do. So, you know, there's a variety of skills required depending on which team you're talking about. But in general, I would say across this, you know, awesome operating model and and team that we've stood up really need to be uh, super collaborators. Like this is not, uh, this is, there is no I in the OMG ESG team. Um, It is a huge team effort, which requires incredible collaboration and really effective communication, not just how you say your words, but, you know, especially in this global company where we've gotten really great at working remotely, um, we don't have direct access to each other at all times. So really finding that right effective way of communicating to keep those communication lines open at all times and be comfortable picking up the phone and calling whichever interlock member you need to collaborate with. Everybody needs to be pragmatic. You know, this is um, something that requires a balanced view overall. You know, we seek people who recognize that this is a journey. It's a marathon and not a sprint. And so, you know, uh, team members who need everything laid out for them in a black and white manner, this is probably not the space for them. We need to have that flexibility, that agility, that teamwork and the balance. I love that. And I think I think as we spoke about previously, I'm a big I mean, advocate around all things STEAM, kind of that move from STEM learning to STEAM learning. And like the A within that being you know, quite all encompassing, really, in terms of really expression and you know, creativity and emotional intelligence and communication skills to get that buy in for your project, you know, curiosity. And you mentioned pragmatism as well. And again, I think sometimes things like curiosity and pragmatism are underrelated, but actually, 
I think that it's quite the opposite. And I think in terms of that agility or amber dexterity to change, we need today fascinating and brilliant skills to, to really foster within teams too. So I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned marathon, not a sprint. And you reminded me of a sort of almost a mini joke I have. But when we look at skills and skills learning, I often talk about metacognition as well. And it helps you kind of identify the learning style that works for you because we all do it in different days, don't we? I think sometimes you might you know, like, like be a really linear learner or really like that long form content. Others like kind of bite-sized chunks we can be quite kinetic and kind of really energetic when we're learning and speaking and things so none of those are, is kind of superior to another and what I love about metacognition it helps to identify kind of what's right for you and really help equal value being given to those types of skills so again I'll give a shout out for that and you maybe think of it because it's kind of gym for your brain which I certainly prefer than the, the other one I must admit so you made me think of it when you were talking there too so definitely look at stem to steam I would recommend as well for, for the audience today look at and an AI for personalised learning as well can really help support that as well. So lots of support available there. And again, just think it brings to the fore so many skills make a difference and it isn't one size fits all. And again, for people looking and listening into this conversation today, you know, never be afraid to kind of go for a role in this area. Look at the diversity of experience that can make a difference and all the different teams. We need that combination to really address these complex challenges, don't we? 100%. I came from IT. <laughs> yes, so yes, exactly. yes. It is not just about your environmental PhD, you know, experts. We need those too. Absolutely. But the, the diversity of skill sets and, you know, recognizing that not every team member should, never mind, possibly could have skills across all the things that we need to contemplate, you know, as it relates to ESG, whether it's governing it or driving the progress against specific programs like how to reduce the emissions with our customers um, or our own operations is very different skill sets. We need them all. So um, that's what we have built and established with this hub and spoke interlock model. I love that. I think we're going to have to get a t-shirt with like an interlock or <laughs> something like that. I think it would be fantastic. I love that. I love that. We we uh, talk that we're going to get tattoos, but we uh, haven't convinced everybody yet. There, there you are. Dell Tech World <laughs> next year. You heard it here first. A bit of a preview, I think. Fantastic. <laughs> So I know we nearly had a short time, Courtney Dale, but we always kind of leave it with a bit of a takeaway um, for everyone. Again, I think with all the complexity and kind of dynamic space we've been talking about, perhaps we could take it back to a few things that people could think about kind of right now to take away and look at in their organisation or even at home too. Again, this is something that affects all of us, isn't it? So perhaps if we could pick one, I know that's difficult because we've had a real round robber, which is fantastic, but one area you'd advise people to focus on or take away to take forward to, to really help embed ESG and particularly that G of governance as well yeah. in the organization right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really what we've been talking about, um, you know, stand up your governance and your operating model. I have taught to so many companies that are really just waking up and facing the reality of these regulations and having really no way of driving the progress because they can't get people to listen. They can't get people to commit. They can't get the right expertise around the table to unpack this and figure out what this means to them and how they're going to possibly be ready. And again, regulations is just our priority of the day. Similarly, with our long-term goals and our impact areas and all the other things that we are driving so that we can have as much of an impact as possible, governance, governance, governance. <laughs> if you already have something in place, 
evaluate it for its effectiveness. You know, we had, you know, different varieties of governance that just were not effectively working for us. So evaluate it and make sure it is hitting the mark and you're getting that cross-functional leadership and decision-making and all the things that we just talked about, Sally. Um, you know, governance is not just a stamp of approval, though. Uh, you know, it's bringing leaders together uh, with different areas of expertise to work toward a share goal. It's, it's you know, it's holding leaders accountable for their part to achieve the progress against goals, against regulations, against the strategy, whatever your priorities happen to be this year and in future years. Demand for not only more sustainable product in our cases, in our case, but for information that helps them achieve their sustainability goals. So the demand is just coming from all directions and there's no way to keep pace with it without the appropriate governance. So the last cliche phrase I'll leave you with, I guess, is recognize that what gets managed gets done. I love it. Courtney, brilliant. I'm going to leave that as the final ending. I think that's absolutely perfect. Courtney, thank you so much for spending time for us today. Honestly, I think the three pillars of ESG, but particularly with that focus on, on, on governance, has absolutely come to the fore. But what I've loved is it's been packed full of well, so many different examples and so many personal ones as well. I think it's been a really authentic discussion on what ESG means to us. And obviously, this long-term commitment from Dell and, and individually and collectively too, which I've really loved to bring to the fore. Thanks a million for spending time with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. It's been my pleasure too, Sally. It's always great to talk to like-minded people. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind-the-scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening. <laughs>